Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Sure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Shure.com slash Motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E dot com forward slash M-O-T-I-V. glued up with Connie Juice, I asked you a question. Oh my God, this girl's really turning me on. Suck me sideways. Are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. And hi, welcome. This is James Hollywood Machikari, and welcome to episode 50. Today we are going to be talking about uh, the different type of laws that each country has, the different kind of cultures. And to do that, we're going to start out by talking with Kev over in Australia. How you doing, Kev? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Ah, pretty good. Uh, hey, what time is it over there? It's 6.30 here, Chicago time. Yeah, it's 9.30 a.m. here. Oh, okay. So you're almost a day ahead of us. Okay, now I get it. So, so how's everything uh, going in the biker world? Oh, mate, you know, we we muddle along. We have some rather interesting uh, laws and um, over here at the moment with the uh, way we can and can't conduct ourselves. Um, of course, you, you, you've mentioned a couple of times about the Vlad laws, which have, have actually been repealed to some extent in Queensland by the new government up there. Um, however, they intended to repeal the laws. What they've done is merely sort of changed them a little tiny bit and then left most of it in place and called it something else. Mm. You know what? When you're talking Vlad laws, can you give an example to the audience what we're talking about? Oh, absolutely. Um, so the Vlad laws in Australia, which is the, the it's called the Vicious Lawless Association Disestablishment Act, uh, and it came in in 1913 after there was a oh sorry 1930 2013 after there was a, a confrontation on the Gold Coast uh, between a particular club and uh, a couple of members of another club, and then the police intervened. They got a lot of public press, and the government up there said, this is the last straw. We can't have these people yelling at each other in the street and pretending to be gangsters and taking over the town, which really wasn't anything like that, but it was a great way for them to introduce them 
to give you an idea, if you're if you're a member of a club or a previous member of a club, and this is the really difficult part, uh, if you're found guilty of what's called um, an offence, like a, an identifiable offence, so if you've committed a crime that they say, yep, we can we can say you've committed the crime of failing to stop for police, for instance. So you're in a car, you're driving along, the copper wants to stop you on your bike, you don't stop. In Australia, you can actually get um, a fine and 50 days in prison for not stopping for a police officer. Wow. If you're a member of a club, you'll automatically get 100 days in prison uh, for no other reason than you're a member of a club. If you're found guilty of an indictable offence where you've committed a serious criminal offence, the law insists that if you're a member of a club, you get an additional 15-year sentence. Irrespective of what the crime was, you instantly get an extra 15 years on your sentence. And if you're an officer, you get 10 years on top of that. So, for instance, if you trespass, and my criminal trespass, you get sentenced for the trespass in 25 years because you're the president of the club. Holy cow. <laughs> Man. Holy shit. that they can take your vehicle if you're a member and crush your vehicle. Mm. Now, they take your bike and they can crush it. Now, is, you know, you're talking, uh, the Queensland and our, now can you explain to people as far as when we're talking Australia, cause there's the different states and stuff like that for who might not know what we're talking about. You got uh, Queensland, but New Zealand and all that is separate, am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. New Zealand's about some oh, 5,000 kilometers away, so about 3,500 miles across the water. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, Australia, Australia has some, we have Tasmania, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, the Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales, or as you would have referred to NXW, which is mm. New South Wales, and the ACT. Now, the ACT is the Australian Capital Territory, pretty much like Washington, D.C. It's the seat of federal government here, and it's the capital, and the capital city of Australia is Canberra. Most people think it's Sydney, but it's actually Canberra, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is where I live. Right. Uh, now, now, what... The, go ahead. Go on, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, the, the, the laws, this, this, there's a number of different laws called either VLAD or consorting laws, and they're predominantly in Queensland, New South Wales, and South Australia, and to some lesser extent, a couple of the other states. But the, the, the worst ones are, without a doubt, Queensland and New South Wales, where if you're in a club and you're riding together and you're part of what they classify as a criminal organisation, so you've been identified, your club has been named and put on a list, if they see more than two of you riding together at any time, they can pull you over and arrest you instantly for consorting and put you back in jail. Oh, wow. Now, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are going to be surprised by that because here we got, uh, you know, the Bill of Rights and stuff like that where we're allowed the right to assemble. Uh, can you explain how Australia's laws differ from, say, the United States Bill of Rights and stuff? Do you guys have that over there? No, we have no such thing as a Bill of Rights. At all. So we basically um, don't have any rights. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if, the, if the government decides to change their mind tomorrow, we've actually had what are called executive powers issued to um, certain people like our immigration minister who can decide that if you're a member of a club and your citizenship is from another country, he can deem you to be an inappropriate person and immediately report send you back to where you came from, even though you've committed no offence, mm-hmm. simply because you're a member of a club. <laughs> and, and that's it. Um, uh, here's a perfect example. There's a, a guy, I won't name names or clubs, but there's a, a really well-known tattooist from Australia. He's classified as being probably one of the best tattooists in Australia. He's also a life member uh, of, a, um, of a 1% club. Uh, and um, the government took away... Now, he's had no criminal convictions ever in his entire life. Um, the government took away his licence to work in a tattoo pilot because he wasn't written a fit and proper person to put tattoos on other people. Uh, and therefore, he's been without a livelihood for four years now, and he's not allowed to get his licence back, just simply because he's in a club. And they said, if you resign from the club, we'll give you a licence back. And just because of these types of laws, so... <laughs> it's amazing to hear, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, the different culture and, you know... Not only in the biker scene, but you know between countries, how does the you know the citizens of the you know Australia think of these laws? You know, forget bikers, but how do the citizens feel about them? Um, really sadly, <laughs> uh, most people, uh, due to what people see in the media, because you only ever see the bad things uh, in the media, um, mm-hmm. you never see the good. So the general, oh, and of course, when you see some things like Sons of Anarchy where everybody's slaughtered in three minutes. So people think that's normal. Um, so there, there's a lot of people over here who refer to people like myself as dirty bikies. Um, mm-hmm. now I'm a, I'm a retired, uh, ex, um, uh, IT executive <laughs> with an organization that had 27,000 people in it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm certainly not a dirty bikie. But because I have tattoos, crew cut, a goatee, the usual bits and pieces, um, people look down on me in the street. Uh, it, it really is quite, um, it's quite sad to see the average person. And of course, once they get to know us, they realise that we're not really like that. But uh, the hard part is getting over that. Right. But again, you know, unfortunately, it's the, the behaviour of a few that gets depressed that makes the rest of us, I mean, the club that I'm with at the moment, we um, we raise over $180,000 for charity, but that doesn't make the news. And that really don't make a difference with these politicians. Uh, they can't distinguish between the different uh, classes of bikers. Now, you say bikies. Can you tell everybody in the States where the bikies came from? Because a lot of them are like, bikies? What the heck's that? Uh, you know. <laughs> and I, I know um, I've heard people laugh at that term. Look, uh, we we have a thing in Australia. We sort of shorten everything. Um, so truck drivers over here are referred to truckies. Mm-hmm. Um, when you play football, you're a footy player. So we add e i e on the end of a lot of things. It doesn't really mean anything. But when it comes to bikers, we have a number of different sort of levels of bikers. And I think I, I mentioned before we have scooter riders here in Australia that um, you know just ride those horrible little scooters. Um, and in Australia, we don't refer to motorcycles as scooters. Um, if you refer to the scooter here, it's actually a derogatory term and you're insulting somebody's bike. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they're, they're written by Vietnamese women with dresses. 
Um, and then we have um, the commuters who just ride to and from work. Then we have bikers who are who ride bikes and go out on weekends for rides with their mates and associate loosely with the biker scene. And then you have bikies who are generally clubbies who live a lifestyle that goes along with owning a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hopefully that explains it's, it's everything for you. mind about the, the, the Vlad laws is that uh, you would be aware that in every uh, Western country in the world, there's a presumption of innocence and a presumption of bail. Now, in Australia, if you're booked under the Vlad laws, the, the legislation imposes what's called an immediate presumption against bail. So what you have to do is you have to prove why they should give you bail and not be imprisoned, because there is no presumption of innocence. Well, that's something that uh, would shock a lot of people here. You know, there's no presumption of innocence. <laughs> How do you guys conduct the rallies and stuff like that? You know, because I know there's a, uh, what is that, a strike force raptor, they call it over there. And aren't they aren't they always uh, on the one percenters' uh, butts if they're conducted, uh, conducting rallies and, you know, following them everywhere they go? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not just 1% clubs that they do this to. Um, I've got friends in the God Squad, which is, as you can imagine by the name, a Christian ministry club. And they were pulled over recently because there were about 30 of them going on a ride and Strike Force Raptor pulled them over and did what they would do to an outlaw club. And they said, well, because you're associating with outlaw clubs, we're going to treat you like an outlaw club. And they said, we're a ministry to outlaw clubs. That's what we're about. You know, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. And they uh, still go after them. Oh, absolutely. And what you'll find is, they'll, um, if you go to a bike show, for instance, uh, in a lot of cases these days, the cops will be out the front. They will stop every single motorcycle coming in. They'll check them all for, uh, make sure that they're not defect, you know, that they're perfectly roadworthy. And our roadworthy laws here in Australia are extremely tough. Um, and then they'll check, they'll do a drug test, uh, alcohol test, and they'll check for warrants, um, and they'll keep you on the side of the road for 20, 30 minutes. And you go into the show, and then when you come out, you've got to do it all again. Mm. You know, you I, know, I've been on polygons where they stopped us and held us up on the highway for three hours in, in temperatures of 120 degrees with no shade, um, just because they can. <laughs> so it's like a police state. In some places, yeah, in some places. But the thing that people don't understand and the thing that uh, that we're trying to make um, people realise over here is that these laws, um, um, whilst they say that they're targeting motorcycle clubs, um, one of the reasons that they got knocked back in Queensland was because these laws can be used against any organisation that the government deems to be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you couldn't, for instance, the KKK, and they're not to publicise the KKK, but the KKK would not be allowed in Australia. They would be, every time they went to hold a rally, the police would hold them all up. And they could lock them all up and say, well, two blokes in your organisation are criminals, therefore we can lock you all up, because you're associating with them. And that's what they do. And there's only been two convictions under the lad laws, and one of those was a librarian. Not a she, female librarian. A librarian got convicted under Vlad? Yep, because, yep, 
because her husband and her husband's brother and her husband's father, who were all members of an outlaw club, came to her house to have lunch. She made them dinner. So all four were arrested, including the librarian female, uh, for associating with known criminals. And the, the thing you need to understand too is that these laws are what they call retrospective. So if I was in a club in 1960 and I got pulled over today for associating, they could go back to 1960 to say, I used to be in a club and put the same laws on me. Even though I haven't been associating with the club for 58 years, it doesn't matter. And I have to pay. That seems like a nightmare right there. Yeah, it, it, it is some, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> now, did these uh, laws start coming about because of the Milpera uh, disaster, or was that just the beginning of it? Look, I think I think that you know Milpera back in the eighties that, that was a um, that was a truly sad event, um, and I've no doubt that they started to look at things back then. But no, I think they still believe that you know maybe naively that uh, that these issues would go away if they just ignored them, and they pretty much did here. You know, it was pretty much the Wild West here up until sort of the early two thousands, mm-hmm. um, and. And whilst, whilst I could say that I'd like to be able to say that these laws didn't come about for any specific reason, it's certain people in certain organisations doing stupid stuff, as we discussed earlier about shooting into cars, right. that brings these laws into, into being because the government goes, well, how can we stop this? And they just get a big brush and go, right, we'll do this and, and hope for the best. So you end up with draconian laws um, that the general public don't understand and they think only affects parties, uh, but they don't. Um, and the police, of course, when you speak to them, some enjoy what they're doing. Raptor, uh, we've got Strike Force Hydra, they've got all these great names. Um, uh, but most police don't like uh, the laws. One of the guys that rides with us at the moment, uh, he was a police officer for 15 years. When they enacted the Vlad laws, he told his commander that there was no way in good conscience he could enforce those laws. Um, and they said, well, you can't work here then. So he quit mm. the police force. And if you saw him now, you would have no idea that five or six years ago he was a cop. <laughs> 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 and, and still, you know, um, he's just, you know, but he, he was one, one of the few that said, no, I will not enforce these laws. They are, well, they, they shouldn't be lawful. It's crazy. Mm. You know, so basically, yeah. you got even police against police uh, with these. It's turned everybody against each other. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and you'll have you know sometimes we'll we'll have some instances where we'll be pulled up and you can clearly see that one of the police because there's always more than one when they pull us up. You can see that one or two of the police are really enjoying what they're doing, the power trip while the majority of others, you can see, feel terribly uncomfortable with what they're doing because we didn't do anything wrong, you know. And so, you know, if, we, if we're doing something wrong, by all means, you know, pull mm-hmm. us up, do whatever you have to do. But if we're not doing anything wrong, just let us go. You wouldn't pull up a car or 10 cars in a car club for driving in a line. Why would you pull up 10 bikes for being in a line together wearing the same patches mm-hmm. and doing nothing wrong? <laughs> 
you know what? Just here in, you know, because in America, you know, like I said, we had the Bill of Rights and uh, the presumption of innocence. Just hearing some of the stuff that you're talking about, what should American bikers watch out for now? Because it's getting to where the FBI, the feds, DEA, and all that type of stuff is starting to really profile bikers here. And some of it's because of our own cause because, you know, like we just had, like you've seen that story today, we had an idiot shoot into an SUV full of kids and pulling the Sons of Anarchy bullshit in the middle of the day <laughs> where it would have never happened that way before. <laughs> so what should we be watching for? Well, for a start, get rid of wankers like that. You know, don't, don't put a patch. Like that guy... That guy should, okay, great, send him to prison, which I'm sure he will go to prison, um, but the club should immediately ditch him. I mean, that's just nuts. You know, that's, that's the sort of behaviour that will get you guys the sorts of laws we have here. Because there are some very, very clever uh, legal minds all over the world who would love nothing more than the ability to shut clubs down simply because they don't like them. Um, mm. and, and it's actions like that that give the government the ammunition to create these laws because, I mean, we sit here all the time and I, and I watch um, American media, the way that they carry on about Donald Trump. And right. I think I personally believe that that's um, an atrocious behaviour. You know, whether you agree or disagree with the man that you elected, let him do his job, and at the end of the job, if he didn't do a good job, elect somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you've got, but you've got these groups that those that yell the loudest are the ones that get the oil. It won't be long. I mean, you've already had the anti-gun lobby starting. Right. It won't be long if this sort of behaviour continues that you'll have an anti-biker lobby starting. And once that starts, some of these people are very powerful. Could you imagine if George Soros got behind stopping bike clubs, how many billions of dollars he could put into closing clubs down for no reason other than he doesn't like them. Right. And the legal <laughs> minds will get around it. They will find laws to do it, or they'll invent them. <laughs> you talk George Soros and you talk American media, yeah, I can't agree with you more. I talk about that almost every day, not only on Biker Angle, but Madhouse and uh, some of the other columns that I do. Basically, the American media turned into from a free press to a propaganda machine to our Democratic Party. And it's quite frightening what they're doing right now. Because people got to start understanding that if they can do this to the President of the United States, bikers or normal citizens don't got a chance because the whole power of the U.S. government's coming at them. Yep. And, and you know, the only way to stop it is to, is to pull your heads in and, and, and really think about what you're doing, you know? Mm. Like, there are, certain, there are certain issues that you'll never stop happening, you know? Um, and there are certain things that are seeded, I believe, by the police. So, for instance, Waco was seeded by the police. It was allowed to happen, and once the shooting started, the cops took over and shot everybody. You know, like, mm-hmm. that, that was probably the most insane thing I'd ever seen. You know, one guy shoots at one guy, and all of a sudden the cops shoot at everybody. I just don't, I don't follow, you know, I really don't follow. But, but those sorts of incidents, you know, need to be diffused. If we've got a, 
you know, where you've got confederations of clubs over there. You know, they need to really start looking at the core, you know, the ground or grassroots issues between the clubs. And I understand, you know, that territory is a big thing and all of that, but if you're prepared to fight incredibly violently and publicly, and let's remember that back in the day, there were always fights, but they were private. They didn't right. happen in the pub. It didn't happen in the bar. It happened in a paddock or a field somewhere or in a building where nobody else could see what was going on. And what happened, happened. And, and everybody was fine with that. The cops were fine with that. But you bring that shit into the street. Or you bring it into a restaurant. You know? Uh, and, and they go, well, we can't have this. What can we do to stop it? Exactly. And, 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 and you know, for people who don't know, you're talking about the Waco incident, correct? With, uh, between the yeah, bandi- banditos and the Kazakhs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was uh, a hell of a thing. And what's even more disturbing to me about that whole incident was the cops knew about it. They were there hours before it happened and could have stopped the shit, and they didn't. <laughs> they let it go oh, on. Absolutely. I mean, the common sense says, I mean, look, people in the bike scene, I mean, I'm not an expert, uh, but... I can tell you, not publicly, I can tell you which clubs get along with which clubs and which clubs you shouldn't have in the same room. And the cops knew that the Cossacks and the bandits didn't get along. And when right. the Cossacks were already there, the cops, when they saw the bandits coming, should have just pulled in front of them and said, it's not a good idea, guys. <laughs> There's these guys here and you guys have problems. So, you know... Now, I understand that Makizno and all of that, they may have gone, no, we're going in anyway. But the cops should have tried to do something to say, we don't think it's a good idea for you to come in here. And not in a heavy-handed way, but say, it's for your own benefit. We don't want anybody to get hurt. So mm-hmm. don't come. You know, if you change, if you decide to do it, then it's on your head and, and, and it's your problem. But don't do it. But instead, they sat back in their cars filming it with the fault weapons, for Christ's sake, at the ready waiting for something to happen just so they could justify why they were there in the first place. Well, it was kind of like a setup to me. Like, you know, like I said, like you said, they knew it was going to happen. They should have freaking done something. Because I know here in Chicago, uh, you know, between the two dominants, if one was in an area, the cops would make sure, hey, turn your asses around, get the hell out of here, you're not coming in here. And even event organizers were like that. But Waco, that was, you know, Texas, there's something about Texas, let me tell you, with, you know, between of, because I don't know if you know what Waco, Texas is, there was another incident in the mid-90s where the federal government killed all those kids and David Koresh. Uh, David Koresh. Yeah. And, you know, so there's something about Waco, man. I, re- I really don't understand what goes down down there, but it's like they're in the freaking, you know, 17th, 18th century with their laws down there with their cops. And probably too much sunshine, mate. <laughs> and it's just coincidence, coincidence that two major incidences happened in Waco where a lot of people died. Yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I've, I've been actually, I've been to the states a number of times. I was over there actually in July last year. I uh, went to Sturgis, but I actually started in Vegas and rode up from Vegas. Oh, okay. And then right, I How do you like uh, the American riding? Sorry? 
How do you like the American scenery, man? Oh, I love it, mate. I love it. I'd live there. I'd live in the States. I love the place. I really do. I don't like the cities, um, but I'm not a city guy. Uh, uh-huh. I like the small towns and what have you. Um, I mean, where I live, I think it's, it's fairly big. It's 400,000 people. Uh, where my parents live uh, is a town of uh, 375 people. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, but I love it. I, I've been over there three times. Um, the first time I did uh, 9,000 miles in 24 days on the bike. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. I've been from one side of the country to the other. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I, I adore America. I just find I love the people. Um, in, in the, the small towns that I met, the bikers that I met were all amazing. The hospitality was incredible. As soon as I opened my mouth and they heard Australian accent, that was it. I was everybody's friend, um, which was good for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I love the roads. I mean, your Z-class highways are better than our, our, our A-class motorways. You know, <laughs> your roads are incredible. Wow. Uh, that's awesome to hear, man. That's good shit right there. Uh, before we close up, uh, Kev, a lot of people are, you know, especially, uh, between the two cultures, Harley Davidson. What do you guys think about Harley over there? And a lot of people don't understand. A lot of clubs around the world don't require a Harley, even if they're in one of those big 1% or dominant clubs, because the cost of a Harley Davidson. Is that true over in Australia? Um, well, the majority of 1% clubs here um, have a um, Harley-only rule. Um, in fact, it was so so strict in, in so strict the Harley rule that in some clubs you were not allowed to ride a Sportster, you were not allowed to, uh, not allowed to ride a V-Rod. They weren't considered to be Harleys, so you mm. had to ride a big thing. Um, uh, it's it's quite amusing, but yeah, no, look. People love Harleys here for the same reason they love Harleys in the States. The only issue we've got here is that uh, Harleys started about $22,000 uh, and go up to sixty grand. So um, Holy shit. You can see that now, are you talking yeah. 22000 Is that uh, for the sportster classes? Oh, no. The sportsters are around about eighteen grand, I think. Um, the the, the cheapest. The cheapest uh, Harley, which is the the Diner or whatever, the new version of the Diner, which is probably soft tile. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, kind of a black eye to Harley right now, let me tell you. How much is that one, though? Sorry? Uh, how much does that one start? Uh, they're, they're about um, they're about 22. The new, for instance, the new FXDR, the new 114 cube FXDR they just bought out, that's $29,000. And is that from the tariffs or, you know, because people get confused. Is that from tariffs oh, yeah. or is that just, you know, how they import them or is that, you know, straight off the dealership? Taxes and stuff yeah, like that. Taxes. So what happens is when, when they come into Australia, I mean, we have a thing called goods and services tax, which gets put on everything. Um, but, um, but when they come into Australia, there's an import tax paid. Then when it goes from the distributor to the dealer, there's a dealer tax paid. And then it goes to a different state and there's a state tax paid. And then when it's sold, there's a, the GST that's paid by the purchaser. And every time you register it, there's tax paid on your register. So it's all tax, 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 tax. <laughs> it's all tax, tax, tax. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It sounds like a good business would be is get a, get a 
get a used Harley over here and ship it over there. That would be a good damn business. <laughs> um, there, there used to be, uh, there used to be guys who did that, um, that imported bikes, but the government um, put a, I mean, I had friends who went over to the States and they'd get entire engines and break them down, put them in a suitcase and bring them home in a suitcase um, because they were a quarter of the price that they were here. But the government stopped that. So now if you bring anything back worth more than $1,000, you have to pay tax on it. <laughs> oh, my God. They all, they found a way to go, didn't they? <laughs> the government always seems to find a way around shit. <laughs> it kills everybody. People, look, I like that. I, I don't know what cigarettes cost in Chicago. I'm, I'm not a smoker, but a pack of cigarettes here costs you forty dollars. Holy shit! Yeah. Forty bucks. Gotta be real smoker. Yeah, forty. It's a dollar <laughs> cigarette. So a pack of forty is forty dollars. Holy uh, shit, man! Somebody needs to get in the cigarette really fucking business packs. over there. Yeah, that's, that's all packs. Um, if you go like Indonesia, which is or Bali, which is a few hours north of, of Australia. You go uh-huh. there and you can buy the same cigarettes for uh, for about um, three dollars fifty. Oh, so, no. yeah, it's all tax, and it's and they say it's to to stop people from smoking, but everybody knows that you can charge you know you could charge a, a million dollars, and if people have just if they've got the money they'll they'll buy it because they need their habit. You know that's like junkies. You know cocaine over here is like three hundred or four hundred bucks a gram. You can stop them from taking it. I just need more money. Uh-huh. You know? So <laughs> it's you know it's um but but, but Harley's Harley's are they're not terribly well respected, um but they're they're Harley's, if you know what I mean. I'm not a Harley right. tragic, I've had five Harley's, um and in two thousand and twelve uh, I moved from Harley to Victory. Uh sadly Victory is no longer. Um and I was so happy to find an American built motorcycle that did all the things that I actually expected a modern motorcycle to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and they went and shut yeah. it down and, uh, well, they put it all behind Indian now. You should check out an Indian. Oh, yeah. Well, when I came to the States last year, I, um, I was there for a month. I rode a, uh, an Indian chieftain and I was absolutely blown away with the quality of that motorcycle. Yeah, they're, you know what? I love how Polaris has got into it. Tom? No, I was going to say, you know, I love how Polaris put their all behind the Indian brand because Indian used to be, you know, passed around and one guy would take it over to the next, but it's a story bike here in the United States. And now that Polaris has taken it over, <laughs> it's got a good future, let me tell you. So you should really look into one of them. Personally, I got an old one, Fat Boy, and uh, that's going to be the last one that I'm going to have. Uh, I'm going to, you know, always keep it. But, you know, when I buy another new one, it's not going to be a Harley, let me tell you. <laughs> so Harley's forgot about who uh, put them in business, and now they're just, more interested in the guys who are making 150000 a year than the working class guy. Yeah, the guys that put their bikes on the trailers and take it to the rallies with their bloody golf carts. Yeah. Right. That's one thing I found really weird in the States <laughs> was to go to a bike rally and see guys pulling up in, 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 a, in a truck and the bikes in the back of the truck and behind the truck is a golf bloody buggy and they get off these things and drive these golf buggies around all day. And I just look at their bikes. They don't ride them, but I, 
Yeah, yeah they're just looking at them. Minus 10 degrees, you can't ride your bike everywhere, and you maybe have to trailer it to get there because, you know, but when you get there, get on your bike, man. Don't get in the frigging golf buggy. Right. <laughs> See, everybody, even people in Australia are laughing about us uh, trailing the bikes, man. <laughs> well, I went to the uh, I went to the smoke out in Rockingham, North Carolina, and um, oh, okay, from Horse Magazine, and uh-huh. uh, it was it was amazing. But it blew me away the the number of it was like being in a damn street in 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 the middle of the city the amount of golf carts that are roaring around all day. You know? And all of them driven by drunk people. I, that's the funny part. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not like more accidents. <laughs> more accidents with do buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't go to the bigger rallies anymore because they lost what they used to mean. It used to be all party and tits and, you know, it was gas, ass, and grass, man, but no, it's no longer like that. I like more of the littler events where it's a weekend camp out. you got the hill climbs, and everybody's just getting raunchous and going, you know, woofing at the moon and shit like that. But it's not no longer like that at the rallies. It's more corporate-sponsored now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, when I went to Sturgis, it was it was a great experience and a big disappointment at the same time. You know, I, I got there and I thought this is amazing. So many bikes in one place. But what I didn't see was a, a lot of genuine. You know, you go to a bike rally where there's where there's a couple of thousand people, and there's a genuine feeling of camaraderie. There's a genuine feeling of we're all there to have fun. When I went to Sturgis, there was a genuine feeling of hey, look at my bike, isn't it pretty? Well, <laughs> that, uh, you know what, Sturges actually, when it first started out, like I said, it was, uh, quite a freaking sight to see until the fucking corporations got a hold of it. Then the town started jumping in with all its, uh, crap and, you know, they pushed the laws of handlebars, uh, pipes, anything they can do to fuck with you. But that amount you to, uh, spend all the money. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, when we went, um, when I was over there to do the smokeout, I did the smokeout west in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Ah. Uh-huh. And then rode, and then rode across to Rockingham, North Carolina to do the smokeout east. Am I right there? Is it the eastern, is it east coast, Rockingham? Um, so New York, is that the east or west? That's east coast, uh, New York. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the smokeout west in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Now Santa Rosa, New Mexico had about 3,000 people in it. And there were, about 8,000 bikers there for this rally, and it was just the bomb. It was so cool, you know, because it was small. There was just stupidity in the streets, um, and the town was amazing. I mean, we went to walk across the road, and the coppers stopped the traffic. Oh, when I say coppers, I'm referring to the police. Sorry, that's the Australian <laughs> term. Well, <laughs> they, just stopped, they stopped the traffic for us to walk across the road. I said to him, I said, this is mad. What did he do that for? And he said, he said, this town's got 3,000 people in it. We've got an extra 8,000 people here for two days. We'll do anything we can to make you happy so you spend your money in our town. Right. Well, you know, it's a littler town. And that's what I wish a lot of bikers over here would start realizing is stay away from uh, Daytonas. You know, because I used to love to go to Daytona until it got outrageously freaking stupid with the cops. Uh, yeah. I wish the bikers would go to these littler towns because they would appreciate them and they're more fun. <laughs> it really is. Oh, the smaller rallies are I've fucking been, uh, great. I've been running a bike around here. 
I've been running a program here for 11 years, uh, just with a, a group of social guys that I ride with. So I'm in a weird position. I'm a prospect for a club, and I ride with a social group as well uh, mm. because I don't need to feel each other. Um, and that social group, we've had a poker run that we run in this country town for 11 years, and the country town has 175 people in it. And it is just amazing. And every year we go there, they love it because we bring a few hundred people into the town that they never normally see. Uh, and we spend all of our money in the town because, well, frankly, to go anywhere else, you've got to ride for about two hours to go anywhere else. So there is nowhere else, and you have to spend all your money there. And it's great. We love to support small communities here. Mm-hmm. Now, you just, uh, you know, before I let you go, you brought up a good point here. Prospecting, that you just said you were prospecting. Now, how does it differ over there than what you've been hearing, you know, through programs like mine or other channels? about how prospects are over here and how clubs are over here. You know, because seems uh, after Sons of Anarchy came out and t- today the Mayans premiere, so I'm waiting for all the pop-up clubs to start hitting on that one. You know, how is the process of getting a club over there different from what you've been hearing here? Uh, mate, it's, um, it's pretty much the same, you know. Um, now, I'm in, a, I'm in a weird position. I was actually a member of this particular club uh, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, then for political reasons, um, certain shit happened and I left. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so 15, 15 years later, I'm back to the same club uh, <laughs> and prospecting. Uh, and I still had to go back to hang around. Mm-hmm. Even though I was a full patch member 16 years ago, I went back to being a hang around. Um, and I did uh, four months hang around. Um, and I'm seven months, eight months into prospect now, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm 57 years old, so I'm I'm not a kid, um, right? And uh, you know what? Um, I kind of love it. <laughs> but do you have the problem of uh, clubs uh, on the internet? You know, doing these pop-up uh, deals on the internet and taking people they don't know, chapters and shit like that. Yeah, um, that doesn't happen so much here. Um, they're, they're, we have uh, social clubs, but if you put a pack mm. on your back in Australia, uh, then you've got a target on you. And every um, every outlaw organisation in Australia will want to have a chat to you. Uh, <laughs> so it's still old there. school over there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you if you turn up tomorrow with a patch that nobody's seen, you might be lucky and come across a, a group of uh, you know a club that says, oh well. Yeah, no harm, no foul. We're uh, we're not going to give you any drama. But then you'll get the others who, you know, th- some of the bigger clubs that will immediately um, step on you, and then they'll squash you. They won't even think about it. Um, right. And you can you can do all you like uh, on the internet, and you can do all you like on the television, and you can do all the like in your house. But if you put a patch on and you ride into the street, and another club sees you, and they don't know that patch, they will stop you. No matter which club it is, they will stop you. Uh, and if you're lucky, they'll take your patch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way things used to be, and uh, clubs had more control over stuff, and pop-ups like this in the United States weren't happening, and <laughs> it's a lot different than it used to be. Let me tell you, it's all upside down here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's only, just because you know, the of the fucking show. The only social-type club here that wears a back patch um, is a one-piece circular backpatch by a little club called the Ulysses. And Ulysses is for people, um, to be a junior member of Ulysses, you've got to be 50 years old. 
to be a full member of Ulysses, you've got to be over 60 years old. Um, and uh, even then, uh, they got to the stage where they were allowed to wear that patch for years. They're called Ulysses, they grow old disgracefully. They've been around mm. a long time. Uh, some thought about four years ago that it would be cool to put uh, a rocker on the back, said uh, where they came from, New South Wales or Victoria. Uh, lasted for the two days until they were from Victoria. They got to Canberra. Uh, they were stopped uh, by a club in Canberra and told, um, remove those rocks in this hole or, or we'll do it for you. So <laughs> Right. That's not well, that's the club that's the club lifestyle I remember. So but you know what, Kev, I really appreciate you coming on and giving our audience a taste of the different cultures between the two countries as far as the biker scene and really giving us bikers a warning. If they don't get the shit together, you know, these kind of laws can pop up out of nowhere. And it can happen here because a lot of people say we got the Constitution, we got the Bill of Rights, blah, blah, blah. But if they look around at what's really going on in our country right now, it is not an impossibility of uh, those kind of laws happening here in the states. And if they don't get their heads out of their asses, uh, the shit can really come in and uh, bite them in the ass. Especially, you know, incidences of uh, taking care of shit right there out in the open and Especially to, you know, that today's story with that uh, idiot firing into the SUV with the kids. That pisses off everybody. But uh, you're right. They should be kicked right to the freaking curb for that one. But uh, with that, you got any uh, departing uh, words of wisdom for us over here in the States? Oh, I'm not sure I've got any wisdom at all, mate. Just, you know, everybody rides safe, you know, pull your head in. If you think it can't happen to you, all you have to do is look at your democratically elected president and what they're doing to him. If you don't think they can do it to you, if they can do it to him, and he's got billions and he's the president, they can do it to you really. Oh, man, with that, you know what, that's great advice, and uh, you're so, you're 100% correct, dead on with that one, Kev. It's a total mess with this, uh, you know, so-called Russia bullshit they got going on here. Uh, they're just pissed off that they lost the election, but uh, I really appreciate uh, having you on the show, Kev, and you know what, I know I'm going to get probably a lot of questions and stuff through email and stuff like that, so I'm going to have to have you on again. Hey mate, I'm more than more than happy. I yeah, uh, I yeah uh, for a, for a while I wrote for Australia's uh, number one outlaw motorcycle magazine, Ozbike. Um, I used to do editorials for that. Um, so I'm uh, I'm quite happy, mate. At any time to talk to you, it's been a real pleasure. Man, I'm gonna have to get you to do some uh, articles on uh, Insane Throttle, man. Get you out there. Cool, thanks, mate. Well, listen, I'm. I'm quite happy too to uh, do some stuff over here when I go to some bike shows and send you some photos and some video if you like, and so you can show people over there what it's like over here. Oh man, that would be uh, hugely appreciated, man. Uh, you know what? I'll actually uh, email you about that on the side. So I think a lot of people would look forward to something like that. But with man, that, I really appreciate having you on, Kev. Mike, great to talk to you. You be careful. Rubber side up, stay safe, dude. You too. Bye bye. Cheers, bye. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Bachari. Now, two days a week. 
Tuesdays and Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen and download all episodes for free on HarleyBikerNews.com. Or the show is available on all major podcasting platforms like the iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. James Hollywood Machikari. Hop on over and check out our new YouTube channel where you can hear Motorcycle Madhouse and watch the Biker Angle. You can look up the new channel by going to our website, HarleyLiberty.com, or Insane Throttle Biker News in the YouTube channel search bar. Don't forget to have that prospect hit the subscribe button and that bell in the upper right hand corner so you will always be up to date with the new channel content. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machikari. Yep, yep, good to yep. go. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Outside my window I hear him calling I hear him sing He burns me with his eyes of gold to embers He sees all my sins He reads my soul One day that birdie spoke to me Like Martin Luther, like Pericles Come join the murder Come fly with black We'll give you freedom From the human trap Come join the I'm 
Hello, Fat Daddy Rabbit here from Wild Hogs, Easy Riders, Live to Ride, and Grumpy Old Bikers on Facebook. We are proud sponsors of Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse. Listen to them every Tuesday to Saturday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on iHeartRadio and all major podcasting platforms. Yes, sir, that's what I'm talking about. Peace. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Your mouth all glued up with honey juice. I asked you a question. It's time for the adventures of Butterball. A biker so fat that when he jumps on a scale, it says to be continued. We now give you the man that makes every motorcycle say, oh shit, when he comes walking towards them. This is the adventures of Butterball. You know, Butterball was working at a muffin shop last episode. Well, I guess he couldn't hold that job down, and he attempted to be a delivery driver. Why out? He hit a pedestrian. And here's the phone call. Hello. Okay. Yeah, he backed over my goddamn legs. Now, I'm standing here with shattered fucking legs. That's all I need. I just came to in the fucking hospital here. All I remember seeing is that, that little friggin' cute sign you have there about the bad driving. Okay. Hello. Can I get your uh, name and number? Ah, oh, Christ. It's, it's always this way with you people. Oh, how, where the hell you get these drivers from? What do you, pull them off the street? What is this? Sir. Pull them out of the subways? For Christ's sake, this guy backed up over my legs three or four times there. They look like fucking chop meat now. Sir, I want to help you. Ah, oh, Christ. Oh. I can help you. I need to get some information from you. Uh, go ahead. Shoot. Shoot me some info. Go ahead. I need your name and number. I got to give you my name and number when I got some guy that, you know, smashed me into little pieces as a human being. Okay. Well, can you at least give me... If you saw my legs right now, buddy, you'd, you'd fucking, you'd probably vomit. The damn things are sick looking. They, they, it's horrible. The fucking dog will be nipping at me in a little while with these fucking legs the way they are. Okay. For Christ's sakes. Do you have the vehicle number at all? Ah, Christ, the vehicle number. I only was with like a big delivery truck or some swill or some shit was dripping out of the back of that fucking thing. I don't know. Did you have the company name of the vehicle? All right, how the hell am I going to see the company name when I'm busy rolling around underneath the fucking truck? Sir, I'm just trying to help. Jesus Christ, you're asking me for company names and I'm laying under the fucking truck? I can give you serial numbers. That's about the best I can do for you. For Christ's sakes, the goddamn gearbox crushing me in the ground. You're asking me for the fucking uh, the name of the business? What do I look like, a, fu- a tomcat or something? A, a nightcrawler? Jesus Christ, go ahead, shoot. Okay, I'll... If- <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna help you. Oh, this is funny. I saw you. Are you laughing now? For Christ's sake! No, I just need to get the vehicle. Oh, jeez. The more I think about it, the more angry I get. Now I'm laying up in a fucking hospital bed. I won't be able to get myself near a fucking bottle of hooch. And you're fucking telling me that uh, it's a fucking joke. It's funny. No, I'm not laughing at all, sir. I want to get some information. Oh, Christ! So I can help you. Oh man. Oh man. I, there's, there's this bad fucking awful stink coming off my legs here. It must have, it must have been something in a fucking marrow or something for all I know. Okay, and what, what day did this happen? Oh, man, it, it happened today. I just came to in the fucking hospital now. I'm just, oh, Jesus. You know, my friend tells me you can call the numbers on these fucking delivery boys there. Okay, um, can I, what time did this happen? Time? How the fuck am I going to remember? You say time now. What are you, a wise guy with the time? Okay. I'm supposed to remember time when I'm fucking out like a light time. Sir, I'm going to disconnect. Ryan, terminate the call, please. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. Hollywood! 
Motorcycles Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to this segment, guys. How y'all doing? I'm going to start off. I got a text just now, actually, before going into this segment. And it's from Houston, Texas. And I wanted to read it to you guys. And I wanted to give you uh, some of my explanation, uh, especially about the charges that were made here. It says, quote, Why did you give that lady the time of day and publish the story? As the banditos don't need this right now, as innocent people are being prosecuted, and you allowed a lady who let it go to her head and is still seeking attention in trying to make a name for herself in a selfish act. Wow, I can't believe you allowed such things to happen. Okay. As I just said, my reply here was... Let me uh, pull this back up here. My reply was... Insane Throttle shares all things biker-related to its platform. Good or bad. We are independent and do not take sides on any issues. We do not let our personal views get involved. The information is posted and people are the ones who will make up their minds from there. Do I feel what's happening to the banditos is wrong? Yes, but that personal opinion cannot make its way into putting out stories related to the biker community as a whole. I know there's other biker websites out there that will hold off bad stories and only put out good stories about motorcycle clubs. But Insane Throttle ain't one of them. We ain't a conspiracy website where, you know, we're going to put on tinfoil hats and everything that motorcycle clubs do is God's gift, you know, and they can do no wrong. That's not Insane Throttle. Insane Throttle is an independent publication. Now, I emphasize independent publication because that's exactly what it is, is a publication. In the old days, all we used to have was Easy Riders, uh, Outlaw Biker magazines, and it was once a month that we actually got to hear, you know, anything biker related. Nowadays, we got all kinds of sources to go to. And that's why you'll see me say to everyone, just because you read it on Insane Throttle, don't mean it's gospel. I want you guys to go out there to different sources and get differing opinions. That way you have a whole story behind you. And once you get all those views, you can bring them all together and make a wise decision. That's something this country's lost, is being able to make up your own minds, not being sheep. So, when I got that text, that's what I put back. So, you know, that's just read, just right there and now. But Insane Throttle is an independent publication, though they're having a hard time down in Texas... And my personal views on the situation down there are, it's bullshit what the government's doing. It's bullshit some of the stuff that's going on with the banditos down there, how people are attacking them. But 
as a publication, it is not my job to filter stories out or to skew them. That's just not the publication you're going to get at Insane Throttle. What you're going to get here is an independent publication. Plain and simple. Yeah. People have accused me of, uh, well, you know, you skew stories in favor of the black and white. That's not the truth at all. Anybody who's uh, read Insane Throttle's blog or seen any of the interviews or any of the podcasts will know different. I report on everybody. Now, I do put a disclaimer in anything I do when it has to do with them because, let's face it, I'm from Chicago. I rode with the Black Pistons. And yeah, I support the black and white. But I don't let that interfere with the business of publication and the business of publishing the news. I don't let that interfere. Again, disclaimers are always put down. That's more than I can say for a lot of these other biker news sites. You know, most of them go and attack clubs if they don't like them. That's not me. Or Insane Throttle. I'll never let that happen. I'm not going to go out there and attack uh, the red and white or, you know, anybody who's not like the outlaws. I'm not going to do that because that wouldn't be fair journalism. Now, if anybody have noticed on Insane Throttle Biker News, uh, the HarleyLiberty.com website, you see that we've been mostly sharing mainstream media stuff and the editorials that we used to do ain't on there anymore. That's because we're doing them here on YouTube or doing it on Motorcycle Madhouse because I believe people should see who's behind those uh, opinions. They should be able to put a face to those opinions. And if you can't put a face to those opinions, then how the hell are you going to be able to trust anybody who's putting them out? So, that's why Insane Throttle shares the mainstream media. The story that came out with uh, that bandito old lady who's all high and mighty and shit, that was a Huffington Post story, not an Insane Throttle story. Yeah, we shared it because it was biker related. If it's biker related, good or bad, we'll share it. That's just what we do. And you guys get to make the decision from there. I'm not going to tell you one way or another. Do I think she was a bitch? Well, yeah, she's a bitch. That's what you get when women are around motorcycle clubs. Let's be honest. Wars have been fought over women in their mouths. You know, no, I'm not bashing on women, but the way I was raised in the, you know, the club scene... Women were in the back, man. Man, I'm old. I'm an old dog, and you can't teach them new tricks. But that's what you get. But that doesn't mean I'm out there trying to skew stories and shit like that, because that's never going to happen. You're always going to get honest, independent stuff. And like I said, as far as being a supporter of the AOA... Come on, I'm from Chicago, man. They're the home team. They've been around forever. 
I rode with the Black Pistons. You really think that just because I'm doing this, I'm not going to support them? Yeah, come on, man. It's, it, that's ignorant, asinine bullshit. Of course I'm going to support them. I rode with a lot of the guys. They're cool guys. <laughs> so, to even insinuate that, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't support anybody if you claim to be independent. Come on, that's bullshit. That's just like saying in politics, you know, I'm running for, well, for example, this Judge Kavanaugh bullshit. You know damn well he has freaking uh, a skew to either Republicans or Democrats. But he wants to be independent. He's a judge. That's what they're supposed to be, a referee. So he can't come out publicly and say, hey, you know, I vote Republican. Because that would blow the whole deal. Me? I put the disclaimers down because that's the right thing to do. So, whoever wrote this text message, because you can, you can actually uh, text with me or call the hotline. It's there. That's what it's there for. Uh, it's 847-957-1656. Now, let me make sure that's uh, the correct number <laughs> because... Uh, it's all over our website. That's pretty bad. I don't even know my own uh, hotline number. But it's 847-957-1656. And anybody's free to text me or call the hotline and ask questions. That's what it's about, being open and honest. Now, if I was out there trying to hide something like a... percent <laughs> of these biker websites do... Where they won't show their faces, but they'll give a fucking opinion. I wouldn't be showing myself live here on YouTube. I wouldn't be doing Motorcycle Madhouse. And I sure the fuck wouldn't give a phone number out to contact me personally. Where people can text again. Or talk to me. There's nothing to hide with Insane Throttle. And I think... That's the reason why we have the following we do. I don't, you know, most people don't understand is HarleyLiberty.com has a bigger following online than Easy Riders ever will. I think Easy Riders do about 100,000 uh, visits a month. We're at 1.2 million on average, and that's worldwide. And our website RSS feed, if you guys know what RSS feeds are, is picked up by thousands of websites where they re-freaking-share all our stories. So, if we're going to be an independent publication, and people are going to trust us, we can't have any bias to one club or another. We can't skew stories one way or another. That's just not possible. Because people are going to start saying, well, shit, man, he's always with this club or that club. So why the hell even look at his shit? Insane Throttle is a business. Yeah, it comes to a surprise, but it's a business. This is how I make a living, and other people that help me with this company make a living. So we're not going to risk it trying to skew stories to one club or another. Now, if a bad story comes out about a club, or... A bad story comes out about 
a person in a club? Well, it made its way into mainstream media, and that's really not our problem. Just like these freaking, this idiot down in uh, Florida, this kinfolk fuck, this prospect, who shot at a car with two kids in it, just because he got too close to the motorcycles in line. I guess he was in the chase car or something, because he was the one doing the blocking. But because he thought that they were too close to motorcycles, he started firing shots into their SUV. Now, what kind of bullshit is that? I'm telling you, it, we never did that bullshit. It, this must be something new to this generation where they think they got to play fucking Sons of Anarchy or Mayans in real life. Who the fuck does that and shoots into a car with two kids in there? Two kids. And he's 25. Now, this dude's 25 years old. Now, he's on up on, what is it? Two counts of attempted murder, firing a weapon and all that bullshit. This dude ain't going to see the light of day until he's 70, 80 years old. Why? Because he wanted to play Billy fucking badass and shoot in the fucking car with the kids for no fucking reason. <laughs> and, for the, if, and for the club, the kinfolk, now you guys are having a hell of a time out there. A lot of people are saying you're the next Iron Legacy. Because all the recruitment online, you got fucking guys burning your patches online. It's ridiculous. Hey, again, I'm no, I don't give a fuck one way or another what you guys do. But you're looking pretty fucking stupid, man. And I actually, where my bias don't come into it is, in the beginning when you guys first started up, I actually wrote an article about you guys because... You were ex-banditos. You didn't like what was going on there. You said fuck it and moved on to do your own thing. That you got to take. You got to respect that fucking thing. You stood up, did your thing, but now you're recruiting all kinds of fuck ups on the internet. Not checking them out. Not putting them through any hang around period. No prospect period. You're just handing them a fucking patch, and then you wonder why they're burning your shit when they don't like something. See, that's one thing I never understood about these pop-up clubs. Is they'll go out there, start something up, they won't follow the fucking protocol. And to me, the protocol, if you can't follow protocol, you're just fucking weak because you're scared. You're scared to do shit that's been going on for almost 50 freaking years. Shit, probably more than that, man. More than that. You're looking... Probably, what, 60, 70 years that's been going on? And the reason why it's going on, the protocol was, is because shit like this wouldn't happen. The dominance always policed the other clubs. So, assholes like this wouldn't go out there shooting at a fucking SUV with two kids in the car. That's what protocol was about. It wasn't about whose balls or whose dick were bigger. No, it was to keep control so the citizens and the damn federal government wouldn't jump on our fucking dicks. That's what protocol's all about. Now, you're going to have a bunch of guys going, well, fuck protocol, fuck this, that. You know what? That's some weak-ass shit right there. Really, it is, man. It's weak shit. 
you guys, you know, kinfolk, you did something good, you said fuck it, you broke away to do your own thing. But now, handing out patches on the internet, this is what the fuck is happening. I know I repeat and repeat, but those were two nine-year-old fucking kids in that SUV. Are you serious? That's the type of people you got? Let me ask you something. You were in the Bandito. Most of you were Banditos before you left. Did you guys, while you were in the Banditos, just throw fucking patches on anybody and everybody to start out a fucking chapter? It's a good question. I'm guessing no. Because the Banditos have been around since the mid-60s and they know what the fuck they're doing. That's why they're so big, that's why they're strong, that's why they got the brotherhood they do. They didn't go around just throwing patches all over a motherfucker. No, what they did was, you had a hang-around period and a prospect period. For a new charter. You know, most of the dominants put out a one-year hang-around and a one-year prospect period for any new charter or chapter. I don't know what happened to you guys. But, just saying, you might want to get that shit together because you're looking like real shit out there right now. And, this is an opinion. Not gospel, not fact for anybody out there to start going around bashing people. This is a personal opinion. Because on this YouTube channel, that's where the editorials and the opinions come from. It's not going to be put on Harley Biker News, that's... You know, well, not HarleyBikerNews.com. That's the Motorcycle Madhouse's address. Uh, but it's not going to be put on HarleyLiberty.com because that's mostly mainstream news articles. And that business model's been working for us. Now, we're getting our social media platforms up and going. Right now, I think we're at uh, 30,000 followers on uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm going to start working on our Twitter account, so... You know, if you're on Twitter, go follow us at Insane Throttle. I'm going to be doing a lot of tweets over there and, uh, you know, not only about biker stuff, but other stuff in general. But Insane Throttle will always regain, <laughs> keep its freaking uh, independence. Yeah, it sucks when there's bad stories put out there for clubs, but hey, if they didn't want them out there, they wouldn't be doing this shit now, would they? So, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping, that uh, this clears a lot up. And again, I welcome the text, I welcome the debates, I welcome the conversations. Uh, that's what the hotline number is there for. That's what the, the email address is there for. And use it. You know, if I can't get back to you right away, I'll try because I get a lot of emails, I get a lot of texts, I get a lot of phone calls. So, especially with the new book, uh, The New Age of Biking and Brotherhood, uh, the first of the series came out. And uh, that's one thing I forgot to mention. This is a series that I'm doing. This is the first in the series. Uh, the second book is coming out in November. And I also want to thank everybody for all the support. I couldn't believe how many people bought the shit. Uh, right now, I'm looking at, uh, let's see here. 
Amazon, uh, the Kindle version. I guess a lot of people love the Kindle stuff. Uh, it's the number one news release in the motorcycle uh, section. So thank you guys for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's real great. Real great the support that we get over at Insane Throttle. And I can't thank you guys enough. But, you know, that's, that's this segment for today is basically, you know what, Insane Throttle's independent, always will be, and you're never going to get any of that fucking tinfoil hat bullshit that's put out there by other biker news websites or so-called biker news bullshit websites. Uh, you're going to get some straight up honest truth here. And we got nothing to hide. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to the Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle crack wide open. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Shure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Shure.com slash Motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E dot com forward slash M-O-T-I-V.